0: This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hello, this is Tracy Childs, and you may know me from Appeal and Plant Diego. Come to the Healing America Rally on March 10th at the Unity Center in the Miramar area, where we will discuss and share information about the advantages of adopting a whole food, plant-based diet, which is a great move for all of us, the planet, the animals, and our health. Dr. T Colin Campbell, nutrition researcher and author of The China Study, along with his son, Nelson Campbell, founder of the Plant Pure Nation and Plant Pure Communities, will be on hand to discuss the urgency and the need to act now rather than waiting for our government, health care organizations, food and insurance companies to catch up with us. Text JOIN in all caps to 619-313-6657. Now for updates, join Plant Diego, San Diego's premier local support group working to help San Diegans adopt a vegan plant-based diet for any reason. Go to plantdiego.com and join our e-newsletter list to learn about San Diego's local action towards plant-based living. Again, text JOIN in all caps to 619-313-6657 now for updates. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you there.
1: Welcome to Vibrant Raw Living. I'm your host, Victoria Madion. Join me on a journey of discovering your infinite potential. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I wanted to talk about open-mindedness and how open-mindedness can really help us move forward in our life. I feel like when we're in a closed-minded mindset, it closes us off from healing, reaching new heights, accepting where we're at in life, and also moving forward. Some of the healing practices that I've used and become open-minded to in the past are things like sound healing, yoga, meditation, dance and improvisation, as well as cognitive behavioral therapy. I think really learning how to challenge negative thoughts and process emotions differently has helped me be able to be more present with myself and achieve different things in my life. When I first started getting into yoga, I was exposed to like a different form of meditation than I had experienced than, you know, when I was a dancer and practicing more improvisational dance, which became more of a healing modality for me as I got older. But starting a yoga practice was something that I actually was very close-minded to to begin with. Um, You know, I think when I was younger and people would be like, oh yeah, like I practice yoga or something, like it would be people that were older than me. I'd be like, my god, like, what does that even do? You know, like, coming from my dance background, I was just kind of, like, had such intense training. I was just, like, yoga just seems boring and, like, a waste of my time. So, like, I was pretty closed-minded to it, but when one of my dance instructors kind of had said that she had tried it, I was, like, okay, like, maybe I'll give this a try. And actually, when I tried it, it was, like, so amazing. And I I was so pleased with the results and it's something that, you know, like has had a huge profound impact on my life. And, you know, even with the episode that I did about yoga, you can listen to more of that. But it was was something that I was pretty close minded to. And I can't even imagine how different my life would be if that wasn't a practice that I had in my life now, Um, you know, because by practicing yoga, I was opened up to different forms of meditation, different kinds of yoga, hatha yoga, yin yoga. Bhakti yoga, vinyasa flows. So, there's so many different things to try within the spectrum of yoga. I don't really feel like there's one type of yoga that's necessarily better than the other, but there might be certain forms of yoga that are better for certain things. You know, like Ashtanga yoga might be better if you're trying to strengthen more, vinyasa might be better if you're trying to get into a little bit of a flow, Hatha yoga might be better if you're trying to really get into a deep meditation. Um, and yin yoga is probably something that I know for me at least like helps me slow down and get deep into the muscles and stretching that I want to and it's a bit more meditative but it prepares your body to go into a meditative state that way you can be very present with your breath and yourself and bring yourself back to the present moment. One of the things that I began to practice at one of the yoga studios um, I was practicing at several years ago was sound healing and there would be a group that would come on Saturday evenings and they would bring probably like and they still do this I just don't like live in that area anymore so I don't head up there as much but um they bring they bring probably about 50 or so singing bowls you know Tibetan singing bowls I mean these are like you know really, really amazing singing bowls. They have didgeridoos, gongs, um, dulcimers, chimes, all types of stuff. And so, you know, they basically will lead you through a chakra healing or a chakra healing with different affirmations. You hum different notes and it's supposed to like activate the energy within the chakras that gets released and then you put different affirmations in the place. And you just, you know, heal any energy that you haven't really dealt with. It's kind of just like giving your chakras a little bit of a tune-up or a shower or whatever way you want to think about it. But, you know, for me, it was something that I was like, you know, when people started to talk about all the crystals and the herbs and the beads and all this type of stuff and the all this, like, I would get a little bit turned off by it. Just like, okay, like, that's a little bit too much. Like, I'm not going to go there, you know. Um Again, I was a little bit close-minded to it, but when I opened my mind to it and um, learned about different ways of healing, I actually was able to realize, like, you know, as an individual, especially as a choreographer, like, I'm very, very sensitive to sound. I'm very sensitive to music, and I really feel it in my body in a lot of different ways. I sometimes even feel it, you know, if I'll go to the symphony, I might literally just, like, close my eyes and I'll, like, feel the music, um, like, in my body. It's kind of difficult to explain, but I visualize the music as well, so it's, like, because I have that dance background, I kind of, like, just see dance. That's something that just happens to me when I hear music. It's very natural. It's just kind of how my brain works, I guess. Um so it's literally like there's a little stage in my head and it'll be having a little ballet going on or whatever like and um you know I'll be experiencing that while it's while I'm enjoying the music but while I'm you know receiving the healing from the sound healing meditation I think um you know there's something that's happening on a deeper level there may be emotions that are coming up that I might not have processed you know things that you kind of compartmentalize and then, you know, get stored in the attic of your mind. And then if you don't open those boxes and go through them, they start to just, you know, sit there and kind of, you know, accumulate space and they're not really in the appropriate place that they need to, or maybe those thoughts need to be donated or gotten rid of, and that energy just needs to be dealt with. So it's kind of a way to do that. And I found it to be really helpful Um, also being vegan I used to think that vegetarians were super weird like I never thought that I would ever be vegetarian and I remember even like writing in my journal when I was younger I was like don't become one of those like vegetarian yoga people like because that's weird so and then you know it's like look at me now (laughs) like you know I don't consider myself like to be like super stereotypical but it's like I'm pretty much like as hardcore vegan as it gets and, like, you know, do practice yoga. I feel pretty balanced in my other, like, lifestyle habits. I don't think, like, if you look at me at first glance, you'd, like, get that vibe. You know, I feel like some people, you can kind of tell that that's a huge part of their life and they're, like, you know, really into all that, and that's fine. Like, I don't have any judgments towards that. I just think, like, I kind of grew up with the mindset that that was not something that – um you know i aspired to be like but i ended up finding so much healing from raw foods i've ended up like you know really healing a lot of aspects of my health and my digestion by learning more about what i'm putting into my system learning more about different varieties of fruits and vegetables and trying different things from all over the world you know i think eating so many different types of cultural food growing up really helped me be open-minded and being that my parents are from different parts of the world um And don't live like either of them don't live in their own hometown, that that's something that also helped me be open minded because they had a lot of different culture to share with me um, as I was growing up. You know, my dad being from Iran and my mom being German and English, but growing up in Wisconsin, you know, it's just like they have different experiences from their past that, uh, you know, um, helped shape me as an individual but it's like my roots are definitely like very firmly in San Diego. Like I consider myself very Southern Californian and, you know, really grew up in this culture and stuff. So I don't identify really with too many of the cultural things that, um, you know, my parents experienced growing up. they are things that I've obviously been exposed to, but I think, you know, my lifestyle is a little bit more, um, you know, open minded for sure. Um. And I think it's one of the most beautiful qualities you can have in a in a person, to be honest. Like, I mean, some of the favorite people that I have in my life are like really open-minded people. You know, they're not very judgmental. They are, you know, open to your opinion and what you have to say and usually very like solid and firm in their own way of thinking, um, which I think balances out open-mindedness. I think you can have certain things that you're very clear on in your life that make sense for you and that... Um, You know, different kind of boundaries, if you will, that are, you know, things you're not really willing to compromise or be open-minded about. Um, But there's ways to live your life, you know, with boundaries, having a little bit more compassion and flexibility with them if you want to. that way your growth can progress in a different direction as well. But I do think it's fine to have harsh boundaries or like really clear boundaries on certain things if that's what you need to feel um, safe and you know that that works for you. And it doesn't impede your growth as an individual. Um, so yeah, like I mean, that was, you know, eating raw foods is something that I thought was super weird. I didn't even know that people lived like this and that people could just, like, eat raw fruits and vegetables and not have to eat, like, processed food or anything of that sort, which is pretty much how I grew up eating. But I have to say my open-mindedness towards it opened me up to understanding, like, how a lot of other people live by, you know, eating a vegan diet or eating more raw fruits or vegetables, how different fruits and vegetables are used in different parts of the world in different countries, also the different types of fruits and vegetables that grow and originate in different countries. Specialty Produce app has been really, really helpful in being able to explore a lot of those different things. So that's been amazing to just open up my breadth of knowledge in regards to what I bring into my life that honestly becomes a part of me you know what we eat is those are the cells that make us up you know like that build us essentially you know we're constantly going through a process of you know creating new cells eliminating new cells and like building new things in our body so um, it's definitely come to be a really enjoyable experience that I probably never would have even thought I would go down that kind of path, but it's been really enjoyable, and I'm so grateful for it. In regards to dance, I think being open to trying so many different um, dance styles, learning about so many different cultural dance styles from all over the world, having studied quite a bit, you know, you just learn like other people interpret music, interpret culture, interpret um, movement in a lot of different ways in different parts of the world, and that might have to do with where they live, the type of clothes that they wear, their um, specific cultural customs, um, the type of food that they eat. Like all of that has a very big role in um, the the kind of dance and the type of movement each different type of culture or area of the world uses to express themselves. So it's been interesting to learn about that. It's been really healing to learn about all that because improvisational dance and even a static dance is something that I really do enjoy doing from time to time. Um, I probably do it more often than most, but um, being that I pretty much dance every single day, um, it's, it's something that it's a way for me to process and communicate my emotions within myself, I guess. And it it makes me feel very free to be able to do that. I feel like from a young age I wanted to know even just how to dance latin ballroom because I would hear music, like I would hear latin music and I was just like, oh, like I I wish I knew like the words to say to like express how I felt, you know or the movements to express how the music was, you know, making me feel. And it's like, now I know how to do that. You know, like I know what the words are to be able to communicate how I'm feeling, like the movement to create the choreography or or move through the dance. So it's very liberating to be able to do that. And I think, you know, there are so many different ways we can learn to experience ourselves through different dance styles. I know that's been something that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, And, you know, you you can feel all types of emotions. You can feel more somber or more like in your feelings with things like contemporary or lyrical type movement, more maybe like aggressive or sassy with hip hop, more, um, you know, even sensual from time to time if you want to do like burlesque or whatever. And, more fiery if you want to do some Latin ballroom. Like, I mean, just it's so endless. There's a lot of different ways you can experience different emotions in yourself and process different emotions with different dance styles. And I know that there's even cultures in the world that use a static dance as a part of their really uh, community healing. You know, there'll be dancers that will you know, and I think this happens more so in rural communities, and I think it's something that really happens within the Taraja culture, but they have sort of like, um, you know, it's dance that brings up all the dark emotions, and when dance is seen, performed, or choreographed, I feel like there's a healing process that takes place in, in the um, process of all of that. So, you know, when people see the dance, it's like they can relate to the dancer who is expressing the emotion, which then brings up the emotion in the viewer to be released and experienced in that way. And they, the visual memory of seeing it being performed is like the letting go of that emotion by the end of it. So it's something that really can be a very strong healing modality and I think a lot of people really enjoy dance, enjoy watching dance, enjoy dancing, even if they feel like, oh, I don't have like a lot of coordination, it makes me really nervous. Like that's fine, you know. Like, but I think even if you don't enjoy dancing, I feel like most people enjoy watching dance, um, whether it's like dance shows, like So You Think You Can Dance, Dancing with the Stars, um, Jennifer Lopez' new show, World of Dance. Those are very popular shows that have been on the air for quite some time, and I don't think they're going anywhere. And even musicals, movies that have dance in them, it's just beautiful to watch. You know, it kind of takes you someplace else, and at least that's what it does for me. Another thing that's had a huge impact on my life has been cognitive behavioral therapy, and doing a lot of research with this. From my research that I've done in anthropology about like psychological anthropology, is just learning how much the mind has, um, you know, an effect in regards to shaping who we are as individuals. You know, if you take a human as a blank slate, as a baby, and, you know, put them in a totally different culture, it's like, they're going to grow up so different, learning a different language. You know, like if I was born in Sweden, like I'd probably be a little bit different as a person. You know, I'd speak differently. I would probably have different cultural understandings of things, maybe different outlooks. I don't know. But, you know, I think how our mind is shaped is really, really important in regards to how we are enculturated and how we form as individuals. And as we learn to understand our mind, I think yoga is something that helped me understand my thought processes a lot more and understand different um, ways in which I thought that either held me back or helped me progress. And Looking into that a little bit deeper has been a rewarding process. So some of the things that you learn about when you're challenging thoughts in cognitive behavioral therapy, pretty much in cognitive behavioral therapy, you look at the event that is maybe triggering types of emotions for you. So there'll be the event taking place, there'll be the thoughts that are coming up as a result of that event taking place, the emotions that are coming up as a result of those thoughts, and then the actions that are following suit after the emotions that are taking place. And it turns into a cycle or a habit that can be broken if you gain awareness towards it. So some of the thoughts that can be very um, detrimental towards growth Are some of the following. All or nothing thinking. This can also be known as black and white dichotomous thinking or polarization. This is when we simplify the situation to one of two evaluations. For example, you might see things as either good or bad. You might see yourself as a success or a failure. You might see a situation that has either one outcome or the other. Now, There are always a lot of different outcomes that can come, and sometimes if we're overthinking things, we can think that it's either going to go one way or the other, and those reactions or those thoughts can cause us to feel very stressed and anxious and then cause us to do things that need, you know, that are not the healthiest decisions for us. Another thing that can happen is catastrophization. So this is also known as um, like predicting the future, or like fortune telling. And this is a style of thinking where a negative future is predicted. So often no consideration is given to the likelihood of this future, the coping abilities that you have or the things that you will keep safe. So it's just thinking that, you know, the worst possible thing is going to happen and like everything's going to break loose and just, you know, the whole world is going to blow up or something like. It's making the absolute worst out of the situation that may happen when it may be, you know, mostly in your head, like that that situation is not going to take place and it's causing you to stress out when you don't need to. Another thing is discounting the positive. When this happens, we discount or tell ourselves that particular aspects of our behavior or experiences are not relevant. For example, you could say, I got a really good mark on my exam, but I'm still doing really badly on my course and must have been pure luck like you're discounting the amount of work that you put into certain things coming to manifestation in your life. It's like when you show the universe you're ready to accept or receive something by putting the hard work in, you have to realize like, no, you're capable of doing that. And sometimes people don't want to think that they're capable of doing stuff because then they are then held accountable for, you know, how much they could be doing, but they're not doing, which is totally different because that goes into could or should or would statements, which is a little bit later. But you want to acknowledge your hard work that you've done to get to where you are in your life and respect that and then also have constructive criticism towards yourself if you really feel like you can improve on things if necessary. But to discount the positive is something that can be really detrimental towards being open-minded because you're not taking into consideration the positive energy that you're putting towards the things you want in your life. Another thing can be emotional reasoning. This is when we trust our emotions as enough to evaluate a situation accurately. You know, you can compare it to like a gut feeling despite significant evidence demonstrating the contrary. Like they might keep telling me I'm doing well at my job and my appraisal went very well, but I feel like I'm doing badly or like I'm about to get fired. It's like if you're doing good at things, but you still have that paranoia in the back of your head that, oh no, like all of a sudden, like something's going to happen. That can really help support like the negative and hold you back from moving forward. You're not being open-minded to maybe some of the more um, objective reasoning that you can rely on and say like, no, you've done great. You've contributed to the company wherever you're working. And you know, you have a positive attitude, like you don't need to implode and and cause yourself stress and be paranoid in that way when you are doing a good job. Labeling is another thing that can hinder growth. So, when a fixed description of yourself or other people is used, this can cause prejudice to yourself against alternative information leading to a more reasonable assessment. For example, I'm just useless or he's a bad person. It's like, that's setting a limit on what you're capable of or another person's capable of. And to be honest, like we're capable of a lot as human beings, um, you know, a range of different things. So labeling someone as being one way can be very detrimental if you do that to yourself or others as well. Magnification or minimization is also something that can be a little bit limiting magnification or minimization is the process of considering yourself others or situations you might emphasize someone's elements and minimize others which result in the sustaining or increasing of your bad mood state. For example, you might say something lines of like she may have laughed at some of my jokes but she didn't really ask for my number. you know if you're a guy like you might feel really bad about yourself um, in that way. So if you don't get what you want out of a situation you might tend to think oh this person's bad or this person hates me just because they didn't do this and you you know, you didn't get what you wanted out of the situation but that doesn't mean that they feel badly towards you or they're very uncomfortable around you and it doesn't need to make you feel uncomfortable about yourself or insecure just because you didn't get what you wanted out of the situation. You might be magnifying your own feelings towards it because of your own insecurities and minimizing that this person may very well be interested in you. You know, it's it just takes kind of challenging that thought and Thinking, okay, like am I making this go to extremes or can this be something that I can see a little bit differently and I might be a little bit too intense about it? The next one is like selective abstraction. So This can also be considered like mental filters. So this describes the tendency to inflate the importance of a particular aspect of a situation to the extent that it obscures the bigger picture. For example, should a friend make a comment on your appearance like, you look amazing, where did you get those shoes from? I bought a pair from there. I didn't like them. Consequently interpreting yourself as poorly dressed and perhaps even unattractive. It's like just because your friend didn't have a good experience at that store doesn't mean like your shoes are ugly. Like they liked your shoes, you don't need to take it so personally or like select that one detail and abstract it to the point where it magnifies, you know, it's it becomes a bigger deal than the shoes that they liked. You know, similarly, if someone says, you know, something that I get quite a bit is like, oh, yeah, like I tried going vegan once and it didn't work for me. Just because a person tried veganism and they don't agree with maybe my lifestyle doesn't mean that they don't like me as a person. You know, that would be picking at something and making a bigger deal out of it than it would be. And we don't have to do that. We can be open-minded to maybe this person just didn't have an experience that was positive, but my experience was positive. And just because, you know, maybe even if you're in a group conversation, if one individual had a bad experience with something, it doesn't mean you're going to have a bad experience with somebody, um, someone or something, You know, because people can talk about others poorly too and say like, oh, this person's like, you know, so bad or whatever, but you might be able to have a good relationship with them and there might be other persons, there might be other aspects of the individual's quality that you can relate to differently than the other person that doesn't tend to get along with them as well. So that's also something to take into consideration. Another aspect that can be limiting when it comes to cognitive behavioral therapy is mind reading. This is when we think we know what other people are thinking, like he thinks I'm a complete idiot or she thinks that she's so amazing. It's like <laughs> you never really know what people are thinking. So if you close yourself off to what the actual truth of it may be, then You know, you're you're closing yourself off to understanding that person, being compassionate with that person, being aware of their thoughts and emotions and not just making your mind up of how you might be projecting your own insecurities onto that individual when they might think you're super cool or they might think like you have great qualities, but you're just not allowing yourself to acknowledge that they may feel that way and connecting with them in that way. Overgeneralization is when a specific instance is applied to a number or range of situations without sufficient evidence. For example, I didn't enjoy myself at the work dinner last night. This means I cannot make friends with anybody. No, that's not true. Just because you're in a situation where you didn't connect with certain individuals doesn't mean you're not able to connect with anybody. Maybe you are not in an environment where you were around the kind of people that are easy for you to relate to. That doesn't mean that no one is ever going to like you and you're never going to be able to connect with anybody. That's kind of making it, you know, again, like an all or nothing statement and making overgeneralization about it. So, you know, putting yourself out there a little bit more or getting into different situations might be a good idea for you. You know, another thing too, some people are like, oh, like I tried yoga and I didn't have a good class or I didn't like that instructor and that means I can't practice yoga or I suck at yoga. It's like, no, like maybe that style didn't work for you. Maybe that wasn't a good way for you to experience yourself, but like be open-minded to a different type of yoga style that might be a better fit for you and your lifestyle. Personalization is a tendency to interpret the outcomes of situations or people's behavior as directly relevant to you as a person, implying that it is your fault. For example, we didn't get the contract because of me. You know, if you're like thinking about a business deal or something like that, it's like challenging that belief would be like, we didn't get the contract. It was a group effort and I did my best. We all did our best, but sometimes things don't work out. There are other opportunities to succeed in the future, and I am going to work hard to achieve those. I'm just focused on the positive and like moving forward, but when you make it seem like you're the problem all the time, then that can hold you back as well because you're not open-minded to thinking, you know, other people might have responsibility in the outcome of certain situations too and it's not always your fault if things go a certain way and that can really limit you from being able to be present and a little bit more objective about things. should, could, would, or must statements also very very limiting thoughts. These have variously been described as imperatives by other people. The next would be should and must statements. Also, things including these words could be could statements, would statements, things of that nature. These are rules that we hold for ourselves. These are often inflexible and specific expectations of our own and or of others' behaviors. When these expectations are not met, there is a tendency to overemphasize the importance of this. For example, I should be liked by everybody. If I am not, then I am a terrible person. Like, we can hopefully see the error in this type of thought, right? And how that's not very open-minded and how we can be like, not everyone will like us and that's okay. There are certain people that do like me and some people that don't. I like myself and the way that I am, and that is what I choose to focus on because that's what matters most to me. If an individual doesn't vibe with me, that's okay. Like, It's not something you need to take personal, and it's not something you need to make um, a definitive statement about because we all have different expectations for our lives, but sometimes setting such high expectations of others and ourselves can be really limiting as well. You know, to focus on the importance of certain aspects of ways that people treat us can sometimes cause us to overlook other ways in which people treat us. You know, people make mistakes, people do different things from time to time, And sometimes we can get lost in thinking that things should be one way or shouldn't be another or we could have done better or we would have done this differently. But the fact of the matter is things happen the way that they happen and you can come to a place of just acceptance, awareness, and appreciation in regards to the situation and move forward in your life learning what you can from it and making a different decision if you choose to in the future. Tunnel vision or myopia is the tendency for us to narrow our attention to just the negative aspects of the situation, thereby discounting other competing relevant information. For example, when reviewing your performance at a job interview, I must have done really badly because I couldn't think enough about my positive qualities about myself. Okay, so there might have been other ways in which you're very proficient and very right for this job and just because you couldn't think enough about your positive qualities doesn't mean that you wouldn't be able to achieve the job or just because, you know, even looking at my things in the past, it's like just because I didn't think that I would have a vegan diet in the future because I had certain views about what a vegan or a vegetarian was didn't mean that I necessarily wouldn't be able to change my lifestyle so that my health could improve and kind of let go of those labels that I thought like a vegan or a vegetarian was. You know, so I think these things are definitely something to keep in mind when we're trying to be open-minded and, you know, reaching new heights in our life oftentimes means achieving new things and Achieving new things means we have to do something different in our life because insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We've all heard this plenty of times, I'm sure. But it takes being open-minded to new habits and trying different things. And sometimes things will work, sometimes they won't work, but the open-mindedness to trying them will at least allow us to have the opportunity to learn from those experiences and how positive they may be in our life. And if they're not a positive experience, we can still learn something from it and maybe learn a new thing in our life or, you know, learn a different thing that we might want to try. You know, there's so many different varieties of even (laughs) <laughs> let's just say even apples. There's so many different varieties of apples. Some people have preference towards one type of apple and some people have preference towards another type of apple. Some people like sour apples, some people like sweet, some like crunchy, some like mealy. Like there's a whole range. But just because you try one apple and then decide you don't like it, it's like there are so many other apples to try. Like be open-minded to trying you know, new things again within reason if you're finding that you consistently have a bad reaction to someone something or a certain type of activity then by all means like there's no reason you should view yourself as a closed-minded person because you want to set healthy boundaries for yourself in that regard. Um, so you know being accepting of your situation and moving forward you know with an open-minded, mindset can actually guide you towards quite a bit of peace and allow you to use your mind to your advantage. You know, one of my yoga instructors would always tell us that the mind can lie to you, play tricks on you, tell you all sorts of things, but what we are is more powerful than the mind, and we're able to observe our thoughts, breathe, and choose what we want to do in our life just because you may have positive thoughts or negative thoughts or extreme thoughts doesn't mean you always have to choose them. It's okay to challenge your thoughts from time to time or on a regular basis so that you can become a more open-minded person. I think one of the things that I really like to be observant of is if I'm thinking of things in the extreme, thinking like seeing things like always or never or you know, things along those lines. Thinking of ways I can challenge those thoughts of being like, well, maybe it's not always. Maybe it's not never. Maybe I can think about it in a different way. Because when we get limited in that sense, sometimes it can close us off to other positive things that can happen in our life. And that's different for every individual But I think for me, having an open mindset and having friends in my life that are really open minded and being in relationships with people that are very open minded to my lifestyle and being open minded to their lifestyle has been something that's been really, really positive for me and has allowed me to learn a lot of lessons from those experiences. So I encourage you to challenge any limiting beliefs that you have and if you're interested in cognitive behavioral therapy I'm really really um, personally interested in it it's something that I really enjoy always learning more about and practicing in my life and I definitely encourage you to do the same because there's a lot of tools from cognitive behavioral therapy that you can use to create a more open-minded mindset for yourself Thank you for tuning in to Vibrant Raw Living. Remember that you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of achieving and maintaining your dreams as much as anyone else. If you have found this podcast useful, please subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud and share it with your friends and family. You can find links to my Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Pinterest, and Snapchat in the show notes below. And if you'd like to follow me for updates, which I only share via email, come on over to my website at victoriamadian.com. I love you, and I'm wishing you a wonderful day.